What is up, bros? Anybody care to lax? Welcome to season two of the Crease Dive presented by Barstool Sports. Your one-stop shop for that stick talk for lax rats by lax rats. I'm Jordy from Barstool and with me again back for season two on the mic. We got Robbie O. Rob, it is great to be back here. Oh, it is great to be back here. Jordy, what's going on? I missed you, man. Dude, it's, it's been a while since we've last talked to everybody. I'm pretty sure our last episode was right after Yale won the national championship in the 2018 NCAA lacrosse season. So a lot has happened in the world of lacrosse over this past summer. Uh, we're going to get into it in, in just a minute here, but uh, you know, as uh you know, as we get into fall ball here and also with my Philadelphia Wings coming back and plus the NLL just expanding like crazy in general, um, you know, the boys were going to start touching on some more NLL coverage, a little bit more box across coverage. And then obviously, you know, we're recording right now. It's September 23rd. So fall ball all around the nation is uh, really picking up. So gotta love a good fall ball sesh. Gotta love a good fall ball. Sesh. I mean, actually, fall ball practices are when you can, you know, you kind of maybe fake an injury here and there. Yeah. <laughs> you, don't have to, you, know, you don't have to jump into conditioning drills too often yeah, but yeah uh, i i'd say i'd say late fall ball around mid-november when the weather starts getting a little bit colder uh body starts getting a little shapes uh coach starts conditioning you a little bit more you're doing a lot of 440s and uh, maybe 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 it's a little too uh too cold to be out there with the sticks and gloves right now yeah you say uh listen coach i just rolled this ankle and unless you want me out for the season i'm gonna pop a seat on on this bench real quick yeah real quick wait, 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 real quick speaking of uh speaking of some big off-season injuries since we've been gone uh jordy going down i don't know if everyone uh knows but jordy went down the beer league hero in an indoor game caught a pass high landed on the knee weird out with an acl but you know what i say all legends go down with ACLs, and they have huge comebacks. And we saw it today with your Philadelphia Eagles, Carson Wentz, ACL gang. Yeah, I mean, the ACL tear is uh, what you can refer to as a minor setback for a major comeback. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, this is, this is my second go around with it. Um, it's, it's a little tougher to, like, tell people that I tore my ACL playing beer league box across. Uh, you, you, don't, you don't get a ton of sympathy for that as a 26-year-old. Most people just say, what the hell are you still playing for anyway? Uh, but yeah, for the love so, of the game. Yeah, I mean, just, just rehabbing this a couple weeks post. I'll tell you what, not a lot of podcasters would be out here recording an episode only no. three weeks after ACL surgery. But we're gritty like that. So Yeah. You know, I, I you you'd be doing the same thing, and and that's just that's what the crease dive is all about. You know, we're not gonna we're not excuse guys. We're gonna be on the mics every single time that we can, because uh, that's just how how we were born and raised as lefty attackmen who send it. I'm be honest, it's good to be back. And Sam, speaking of uh, being lefty attackmen, and speaking of players that uh, you know, primarily one-handed players. I mean, look no further than the NLL. And like you said, this offseason, there were a lot of moves made, uh, team expansions, rules changes, and uh, I'm excited. And obviously later in the episode, we got probably the one of the Probably going to be the number one pick in the NLL draft is Ian McKay, a recurring guest on the on the crease staff. 
he'll be so the NLL draft is so you'll be listening to this on Monday, September 24th. The draft is Tuesday, September 25th at Xfinity Live in Philadelphia. If if we have anything to do with it, Ian McKay will be the first name called. Um, unfortunately, I, th- I think it probably end up going yeah. somewhere around three <laughs> to five. Uh, but you know, I'm gonna make sure that I, I put one in all the GM's ear holes mm-hmm. and say, listen, you cannot pass up on a guy like Ian McKay. We will be hearing from him later in the episode. But before we get to talk about the NLL draft coming up tomorrow, let's just real quick rundown of some of the major things that happened in the sport of lacrosse over this past summer. Starting off with the biggest news of all, especially for this podcast. The dive is alive. The NCAA has finally brought back the crease dive. It was the biggest joke that the dive was illegal for this long, uh, but now it is finally back. Guys can go airborne. It is, without a doubt, the most electrifying play that our sport has to offer. And the, fa- the fact that we saw so many goals over the past you know, four or five years get called off because guys went through the crease. Just outrageous goals that are great for content, great for social. The fact that they get called off because guys couldn't dive in the NCAA was a black eye on the sport, and I'm glad that they finally put some makeup on that black eye because it is looking beautiful right now. Following you right there, and, and you know, I get the devil's advocate part where, you know, these, these players are diving across the crease, they're sliding into the goalie's legs, which causes injuries, but like you said, when the crease dive is back, and I'm not just talking about our show, but when the actual crease dive is back, the sport is a much better place. Um, you're going to be... This past season, this 2008 lacrosse, college cross season, we saw, I don't know about you, I, I thought this was the most highlight-driven season of all, with, between all the behind-the-backs, the, uh, it, it's been incredible, but, but to see the crease dive come back, it is long overdue, and it is back, and it is going to make the game that much more exciting. Well, that's it. Like you just said right there. I mean, the way that the game is going is the way that it needs to be played is that, you know, kids are are, they're not afraid to get creative out there. They're not afraid to take risks. Uh, You know, the game of lacrosse, there was a while where, you know, I I guess like a few old heads maybe have started driven, uh, you know, overhand high to low shots, bouncers. Um, You know, there was there was a time where the sport was getting real robotic, uh, you know, and I think. You know, I think we have guys like Lyle Thompson to, to be thankful for because they really brought this creativity back into the game. Uh, you know, and like you said, last year the highlights were outrageous. And Crazy. now this year, now that guys now that the dive is dive is alive again, it's only gonna get better. And I mean, it's one of the grittiest plays in the game. Yeah. Like you're you're you're, sac- going, you're sacrificing your body. You're going to the <laughs> rack, you know you're gonna take a hit, you go airborne, you launch yourself, you don't have control over your body anymore you could get lit the fuck up but you still go for it because Mm. it's for the boys it it is for the boys (laughs) but i will say before this rule changed and the crease dive got back which we're all thanking lacrosse gods uh except maybe some defensemen and goalies but nothing was more disheartening than you beat your defenseman underneath you dive across you score and instead of getting the push in the crease call because you don't just end up there Eh, you might because you dive but it gets called back you're just like no the only thing worse i could think about getting a crease dive goal called back is if you're a goalie you take a shot 
it hits off your shin and it trickles in the net and you're just like ah i just got hit and now i gotta go rake the ball in the back of the net yeah turn and rake you scrub <laughs> yeah. uh but no you're you're 100 percent right right there and and it takes a lot of that responsibility off of the refs which i think is a great thing um you know they don't have to worry about if they have to make that push call or not when guys go airborne into the crease and another big thing that is taking some uh you know some responsibility away from the refs so that they can focus on other areas of the game is the shot clock Finally, the NCAA lacrosse yeah. has implemented a shot clock. Uh, it took a couple, you know, modifications, but uh, you know, so as of right now, the shot clock is an 80-second shot clock that starts on possession. Uh, you know, teams still have to get it over midfield in 20 seconds or less. Uh, but now, if you get it over midfield and let's say you know you get there in seven seconds, now you still have 73 seconds to work with on, on that shot clock there. The Initial uh, shot clock was going to be 60 seconds when you get it over midfield, regardless of how long it takes you to to clear it. Um, so 80 seconds is a you know I, that's more than enough time for guys to get their subbing done, for guys to get on their personnel. But this is going to be great to make sure that the game the game's been trending faster. Mm-hmm over the past few years this is just going to keep that trend going and then also now refs don't have to worry about making sure that you know they dictate the rate of play they can stay focused on other things now instead of having to put that timer on um and and those stall calls i think that was that was a little bit too much for refs and it was you know it was tough for you know casual fans to understand was, you're watching a game all of a sudden you hear like 40 parents in the stand screaming to put a timer on they're, they're, like, they're, they're doing uh they're doing the symbol they're, they're doing the universal stall symbol and everything it's these yeah. uh 60 year old long island parents like stall stall but that's gonna take that aspect away from the game which uh which i'm, I'm pretty pumped about yeah it's it's great that we can get some parents to finally start shutting up yeah uh, and, and uh and, and stop dictating what, what what a stall call is and uh hey this summer i just found out what a mom goal was you were pretty surprised about that <laughs> yeah i thought that mom goal was a, a universal term used by lacrosse players of all shapes and sizes and ages from everywhere but i guess it just missed out on north jersey <laughs> uh, but yeah the the shot clock being implemented i mean not only is it great for the game because it's going to keep everything moving faster it, it's going to make sure that we don't have you know teams just just eating up clock at the end of uh, at the end of games, and I think that that's also going to be great. It's going to translate better for television now, um, yeah. because you know that that's like a big, uh, you know, people who aren't lacrosse fans to begin with who catch themselves, you know, flipping through the channels and and stopping on ESPNU because they see a lacrosse game. One of the big, uh, you know, complaints from people who aren't big lacrosse fans to begin with is you know they they see. All they hear about is how fast lacrosse is, and then they watch a game, and you know teams get in on offense. They start to settle it a little bit while they sub guys in and out. All of a sudden, you know, a, a minute and a half goes by. They haven't really done much of anything. Now the action has to be just nonstop. You have to be moving. Um, so I think that that's going to be great for the game in terms of bringing in more fans. Uh, who just catch the game on TV and now it's built for TV better. Yeah, uh, I, I completely agree. And I think just going off of the growth of the game, especially TV coverage and, you know, keeping keeping 
not people who are everyday lacrosse fans, but these guys that are just tuning in because it, it is ESPN and it's getting streamed on all these big time cable uh, networks. But let, let's talk about the World Games. You know, ESPN covered it from start to finish. And I, I know you got the chance to talk to Ian McKay about that and his experience over in Israel. But you know, the, the one thing about that I, I, I took away with was some of the games were slower than expected. And I think, and I, and I know Paul Carcaterra had, had a couple things to say about this. I, I know you're going to agree. There was also some visual aspects that were going on. They were using a, a white, not a white ball, an orange ball. It didn't work with the, with the, with the television lines. Yeah, it was, it was a weird ball to begin. I think that they might have changed it up for the championship game or at some point, uh, you know, later in the tournament. Um, the the world championships I thought you know it's it's a great way to spread the game it's a great way to get new countries involved exactly with that being said there are still a lot of issues um, with the world championships that you know everyone you know at, at least at least us big time lacrosse fans the goal is to get lacrosse in the Olympics and, and everyone keeps talking 2028 2028. Now, it's like 10 years away, so that's like a fake year to me. But still, like 2028, you know, people want to get lacrosse in the Olympics within the next 10 years. Um, I think that there were a lot of things in the World Championships that looked pretty bad for... Medi- it, it looked very bucket, like very bad news bearsy, in my yeah. in my opinion. Just kind of... And and the biggest thing there is the ending of that gold medal game. Let's talk uh, you know, about I, that. I, I, I talked to Ian a little bit about this, and you guys will hear this. We'll go to that uh, that interview in just a couple minutes here. But uh, you know, so this was two months ago, so we're not going to talk too much about it here. Uh, but if you didn't get a chance to watch, so USA versus Canada, this was, I believe, the sixth tournament in a row where these two had met in the uh, in the gold medal game. Um, you know. We can, that's that's a discussion for another time. Yeah. Um, you know, I, th- I think for the next 40, 50 years. It's, it's going to be the same. It's, it's, it's going to be and then And then obviously chuck in the Iroquois Nation in there. Yeah, but it, it's, so it's going to take a while for any nation to really build up a team that can really compete with those two. I know that Iroquois do a great job of, of making sure that these are good games, um, but it's, it's going to be a while before either of these two give up the throne. Yeah. But the, fi- the final minute of that USA-Canada gold medal game, uh, there were some issues with the clock where uh, you know it seemed like the, the people who were – uh, controlling the clock. So USA, it's like 15 seconds left. Uh, they, they have, you know, it's a tie game and they run a few plays from the end line. Uh, so run a play, get it to the crease, shot goes out of bounds, timer stops. They pick it up again on the end line. And, you know, within like 12 seconds, they got like four really good looks at the net. Uh, but, you know, depending on if you're an American, if you're a Canadian or, you know, depend. Depending on who you ask, uh, you know the, the timing situation on that was a little funky uh, and a very controversial gold medal winning buzzer beating goal by Tommy Schreiber there for the win for the U.S. Um, so again, you know we we talked to Ian about this in the interview. I think that 
it's it's just it sucks because I, I think regardless of how that shook out, even if that game did go into overtime, I do think that the U.S. they were they were just buzzing too hard. Uh, they had such a great nose for the net there that they would have won in overtime anyway. Obviously, it's tough yeah. to like. It's tough to say. Yeah, you can't be a Monday morning quarterback and then just uh, say that. But I, I do think that they would have won that game anyway. So what sucks now is like you, you they, have this they, kind of sh- like uh, this cloud, cloud over the win. Yeah, it's kind of almost like um, Williams in, in the U.S. Open, kind of maybe yeah, not really. So, is this not nah? Slightly different. Yeah, I, a little I, bit different. I, I, think, <laughs> I think we all know where you were going. With yeah. That. <laughs> but so now, you now you have now you have this cloud kind of. Over this you don't you don't Kevin Crowley's throwing his stick on a stick on the floor but <laughs> for another time yeah well maybe uh he'll, he'll be at the draft on tuesday so maybe we can get him to do a uh, a reenactment for of that one for you uh but yeah so you know th- there's this cloud around that game and particularly the ending there um but for everything that you know kind of went against uh you, you know everything that was kind of detrimental a little bit with the world championships i think that that ending even though highly controversial, even though it has this cloud around it. It's fucking awesome. I do think that it is a controversy like that might be good for the sport because it's going to get people, uh, you know, people are going to be curious about it. You know, people that are, that were watching it and, I guess not too many people were watching that at the time because it was on at like 1 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, but, you know, people, that ending right there, that controversy, there's now four years of buildup for the rematch in 2022. And that goal is is going to be played up and played up and played up. And it's going to draw a ton of interest in the next world championships. So, you know, it, it kind of sucks that the guys on the field have to deal with it. It's, you know, it sucks for the Canadian guys that, you know, they'll never really know if they got a shot at it in overtime. Uh, it sucks for the American guys because, you know, I think that they were the better team that day. Uh, mm-hmm. But now they kind of have this asterisk around that gold medal game. But as far as drumming up interest for international lacrosse for the next four years, yeah. controversy, nope. No press is bad press. That's what I'll exactly. say. Exactly. And, uh, you know what? At the end of the day, USA walks away with the gold medal. Great for them. You know, last time they were there, they came up a little bit short. And you know what? You stated this earlier. The whole point about this, yes, um, you're going to get the powerhouses like USA, Canada, and it's going to take years and years for these other developing countries to get to where they are. But it is a time for all of these all lacrosse players around the world to get together and enjoy the sport, meet other lacrosse players. Um, I have a friend on the Puerto Rican team who was, you know, he, he just started relative. He probably started lacrosse two or three years ago. That's like when you graduated college. You know, he, he's playing overseas. He's enjoying the game. It, it's the sport itself bringing people together. And I think that was overall like the bigger picture of it. And if you want to look at it from a less competitive side, I, I mean, I, I thought I thought it, I thought it was a great World Games. Puerto Rico is going to be a sneaky top five finish in one of these upcoming world championships. That is a, uh, you know, that that's a team that looks like they're going to be buzzing for a while. They look like they're fun to play for and and fun to play against. So uh, shout out to Puerto Rico lacrosse. But yeah, so uh, as we mentioned before, Ian McKay, he had just graduated from Vermont. Uh, he was playing with the Chesapeake Bayhawks, and he was a member of that Team Canada uh, Silver, who won silver at the Worlds this past summer. 
and now he is gearing up for the 2018 NLL entry draft. He's looking to be a one of those first few names picked up in this draft. Uh, so we got to talk to him about his, uh, you know, his summer and also his thoughts on Tuesday. So let's kick it to Ian McKay. All right, and joining us now on the podcast, uh, pretty sure he is going to be here in Philly live for the draft on Tuesday night. We've got former Vermont Catamount, uh, current Chesapeake Bayhawk, current uh, you know member of Team Canada, just wrapped up playing at the Worlds this past summer, and uh, you know, knock on wood for me, hopefully future Philadelphia Wing. We got Ian McKay on the line, recurring guest on the Crease Dive. Ian, welcome back. It's it's great to have you here again. Thanks. Yeah, happy to be back. Yeah, so uh, you know, pretty uh, you know, it's it's been a lot since since you've last been on here. I'm pretty sure we had you pretty early on in the 2018 college season. Uh, since then, you had a nice little season there with Vermont, closing out your career there. And from there, man, you've been. Uh, <laughs> have you dropped a stick since graduation? Because you went straight from Vermont to playing for the BayHawks in the MLL. Uh, then he took a nice little trip over to Israel for Team Canada. We'll we'll get into that a little bit later on because I'm sure that there's still uh, you know a little little bit of a sour taste there. And then you know playing some major series, uh, and now you're just getting ready for this draft. So I mean, it's been nonstop for you, huh? Yeah, it's uh, since February, the start of the college season. It's been pretty much nonstop. Uh, unfortunately, the BayHawks and uh, Six Nations with the major series, uh, both seasons ended around the same time. So I've been off for probably a month or so now, and you think it's going to be a nice break, but you're off for a week, and then you start getting the itch again. And I've been working out and out shooting a bunch, so just kind of sitting around waiting for Tuesday to come and, and see where I end up. Yeah, you said uh, you said you're doing a little bit of coaching now. So, um, you know, one, you know, what's that been like? You know, where are you coaching? Just for people who are trying to keep tabs on you. And two, uh, you you strike me as a huge uh, warm up the goalies kind of guy. So, is that your your role while you're coaching, or are you uh, you know you out there with a whistle making people run sprints? No, I, you hit the nail on the head there. I'm a big goalie warm up guy. Um, the year I sat out at Vermont, uh, once I was able to put some weight on my foot and, and really be able to walk in the walking boot. I was out with uh, our assistant coach there, Brian Cavanaugh, uh, helping warm up the goalies and trying to trying to build their confidence while also uh, break their confidence at the same time. So, um, yeah. But it's been good. I'm, I just started on helping with uh, the club program here in Canada, uh, Edge Lacrosse. Um, I started with playing with them when I started playing field uh, in high school. And uh, so once the opportunity kind of came up for that, I, I jumped all over, all over that because they, they helped me get to where I am today. So it's, it's kind of nice to give back to them. And then I'm also kind of helping out a little bit with uh, a university in, in Waterloo, Ontario called Laurier uh, University and just volunteering there, um, kind of helping out with practices and, and uh, helping run the box and games there just trying to get my feet wet a little bit with coaching because it's something that I'm definitely interested in down the road. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's always, always good to keep the, uh, the stick in your hand, dude. There's nothing better than being the, the goalie warm up guy, especially, you know, during a game, it, it's, it's good and everything, but especially during practice, because you're just out there at the beginning of practice. And I, I know that this is at least the case for me. I'm out there just skying ball after ball after ball. It's nothing but low to high way over the net then at the end of the practice all the kids have to run around doing a ball hunt afterwards and you know they got to do sprints for whatever balls they're missing and all of a sudden they're down like 15 and you know i just kind of turn my back walk the other way because i'm not <laughs> finding those ones that i lost in some backyards so um, i'm sure that you uh you, your accuracy is a, a little bit better than mine but it's it's always good to let those ones fly before practice Oh yeah, definitely. Especially like I was saying at school when I was helping warm up the goalies, you you try especially at school, you you try and keep it high. You're not trying to hit the goalies in the in the shins or the ankles or anything like that. But once uh once they're killing your confidence a bit, then you just gotta throw a bouncer or something at them and, and get your mojo going again. But it's always fun. Yeah, there you go. And and speaking of confidence though, uh, you know, you you definitely had, you know, you definitely had it going this summer. Um, you know, like we said, going right to Chesapeake from college and you had to put together a nice little summer there. Uh I, I saw your name pop up there a little bit a few times as the uh Cascade rookie of the week. It's not a big deal or anything <laughs> like that. Uh so do me a favor real quick and you know, obviously we'll get into the NLL draft a little bit later, but talk us through uh, you know, the experience getting drafted to the outdoor league uh, and, and then also just kind of what that was like, you know, jumping from college to the MLL. Um, you know, we had Matt Rambo on. We had a few MLL guys on last year, uh, you know, and obviously they love playing in the league and everything. But they said it, it's a huge difference going from, you know, the college game where you're, you know, you're you're with the guys seven days a week. You're on the field practicing every single day that you don't have a game. Uh, and then go into, you know, the pros where you kind of, you show up on Thursday, Friday, have a game Saturday, and then that's, that's kind of it. So, uh, you know, talk, talk to every, you know, how was that transition for you? Yeah, it's definitely, uh, definitely unique and interesting right away. Cause like you said, you go from being in college where you're in a locker room every day and practicing and working out every day and then playing on Saturday, you usually only get one day off if you're lucky. So, um, when it's, a flight Thursday or Friday and then a practice Friday night, a game Saturday, and then a flight Sunday. Um, it's a bit of a culture shock to you, but um, it, was, it was definitely cool, especially being from a sc- smaller school, uh, being at UVM and um, kind of the season we had and, and helping put that school on the map. And uh, I mean, hopefully they, they continue the success from last year, but um, just coming from a smaller school and, and getting drafted in the second round, as a Canadian guy too, is, is was pretty special. Um, the MLL, I knew about it going into college, obviously, and I, it wasn't really on my radar. And then as as my college career went on, it kind of became more of a reality. But um, I think the transition, other than the fact that it's a culture shock, like I was mentioning earlier, I think my transition wasn't too bad because the Bayhawks was such a young team. Uh, guys like Colin Heacock, Josh Byrne, Miles Jones, um, you know Nick Manis, Isaiah Davis Allen, like all guys who have just recently graduated um, the college game. It was the majority of our locker room, and then you sprinkle in some vets like Jesse Bernhardt and uh, Matt Abbott and Matt Donowski, who have been there for a while. It was we had a good mix, and the, the locker room is always 
always a fun time. I don't know. There's always videos going around on social media of all the guys dancing and going crazy. So it was, it was definitely a, a fun experience. Yeah, I got who uh, you know. <laughs> I'm looking at that roster right now. You've you've definitely got some uh, some characters on there. Who's uh, you know, who's the party star on that? I have to imagine it would either be Burn or Heacock. They, they just seem uh, yeah, like, they uh, they just they bring the most energy for sure. Like, and it, no matter where you are, what you're doing, Heacock's always yelling something crazy, and Burns probably in the corner of the field dancing by himself or something like that. But uh, those two are definitely, and they're always with each other the whole weekend. So um, it was it was kind of awkward at first because I didn't really know either of them when I first got there, and I was just trying to kind of fit in. And there, I, I remember the first trip I went to Denver, and I didn't play, but we were at like the Outback Steakhouse for team dinner, and they're just like so loud and obnoxious in in the uh, restaurant and I didn't know like if that's the norm like what's going on so I just kind of sat there quietly by myself with those guys so it was <laughs> just, just it was, over in the corner eating some blooming onion by yourself yeah just feeding the barrel basically <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh last thing about that I'm looking at your stats right now you uh you, you threw in a two-pointer this past summer I did yeah kind of have, have you been have you been a range guy? Like, do you, do you have range? I guess uh, so. I mean, I like to think so. Um, I, if you look at my shot total from college, uh, I wasn't afraid to pull up and shoot from anywhere. If you ask any of my teammates, so uh, <laughs> doesn't doesn't necessarily mean I was hitting the net that often. But um, I I do remember that though because there was a flag down and I was just coming on the field and we kind of had an odd man situation. So. Oh, I just kind of right just kind of went for it and hope for the best, and luckily it went in. Dude, the the moment that they add the two pointer to the college game, it is just going to be shot city. I like what I would do to have that to just be. I mean, I wouldn't be able to even hit the net from that far <laughs> out, but to, to just have the option to just take take a quick little step inside midfield and pull one, uh, that that's got to be a part of the college game soon, and I think uh you know i think we will see a lot of unassisted goals start from there uh but you were talking about you know how the bayhawks how that roster had a nice little mixture of of young guys and some veterans to uh you know really round out that roster kind of the same thing with uh with team canada at the worlds i mean you got young guys like yourself and, and um you know obviously um uh, you had Jeff Teat there as well, um, but then also plenty of guys who have been there before have won a gold medal before. Uh, so talk to us about you know just that whole experience being in Israel for the for the World Championships, um, you know, and then also we we can talk about that final game a little bit too because it might go down at obviously one of the most controversial endings in a lacrosse game. Uh, but as you take away the ending and that game was just absolutely absurd to watch. Um, so one of the better games that I've ever seen. But first, talk to us about you know just being in Israel uh, for that tournament and being able to represent Canada. Yeah, I mean, anytime you get to represent your country, it's obviously an unbelievable experience and um, very rare that that it happens. And I've been lucky enough. This was actually my second time. I was on the U19 team in 2012 uh, as a long pole, actually. So uh, it was pretty cool to to be on the other side of the ball a little bit for this one. And like you said, we had a good mix of guys there. You have like Brody Merrill and Jeff Snyder. I think it was their fourth world championship. And then I don't know, probably close to 10, 12 guys, whereas our first 
World Championship uh, on the men's side. So, and then like you said, you have guys like Jeff Teat and then Latrell Harris, who his name's kind of been out there in the box game, and he he plays in the Canadian Field League here and was just an absolute beast at the world stage. So it was uh, it was definitely a really cool experience and probably the highlight of the summer for sure being with those guys for the two and a half three weeks that we were together yeah uh one guy that i want to talk about real quick um from that team dude dylan ward is an absolute at like the the transition that he makes from an outdoor goalie to a field goalie seems to be nothing but like like people need to realize how ridiculous that is to be such a stud in both versions of lacrosse in, in the cage like that. So, uh, you know, that's, you know, we were talking about warming up goalies beforehand, uh, but what's it like having to show up to a, to a pregame warmup with that guy, just probably popcorn and everything. Does he just like, does he let anything go during warmups just to make sure that he gets the shooter's confidence up or what's the deal with that? I mean, he's just, like you said, he's a spectacular goalie and uh, in both box and field, I was lucky enough to play two years with him in box in uh, junior with the Orangeville Northmen and won a Minto Cup with him. Um, and then before the last World Games, I was still playing junior, and he had, apparently he hadn't touched a field stick in forever, and it was like a month before the Games, and we'd go shoot like two, three times a week leading up to the tournament. So I kind of want to take some of the credit for his all-world selection and all-world MVP for the, la- for the previous World Games, but – um, I mean, it's okay that I haven't got the shout out yet. Um, anyways, we, uh, but yeah, he's, uh, he's unreal. Like he makes the transition from box to field look effortless. and like, anyone should be able to do it. And like, even just like him, like his composure, no matter what situation you're in is, is unreal. He's, he's always calm. He's got a quick mind. Like if in games, if he gets scored on, he just gives the ball to the ref and it's on to the next play. So I mean, if anyone's going to be as good at, at both positions, it would be him, just the way he approaches the game and, and each game. Like I, like I said, that it's unbelievable how – I'm trying to think of other goalies who have like made that transition look so effortless uh, and can't really come up with any off the top of my head at the moment. Uh, real quick, while we're talking about that Team Canada team, uh, you know, I got a question here from Twitter. Uh, now this one, as an American, this is, uh, I'll be honest, I'm going into this question with, with some cruel intentions here. I kind of want to create a divide in that Canadian team locker room. So this is going to divide, you know, you and another America East guy in Kevin Crowley. Uh, so people want to know who's winning the America East next year. Uh, and it's, you got to go like Vermont is going to trash Stony Brook, right? Oh, always every time. Especially, especially being an alum of Vermont now and being out of it and being buddies with, with uh, Crowley, there's no doubt in my mind that Vermont's coming out on top against Tony Brook every time. There we go. That's what we love <laughs> to hear. Start some bad blood in there, and uh, you know maybe you guys will have to get uh, you know get a few wagers going for the next World Games. Maybe Crowley's going to have to show up playing that one in green and yellow. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, you know, real quick, do, do you want to talk about the ending at all or are you, uh, are you over it at this point? I mean, I don't think you're ever going to get over it. I try to as much as you can. And um, now that the dust has settled a little bit, you can kind of look back at it and 
pick whatever side you you want to pick but for me uh, you try to be over it as much as you can but the way I look at it it's it's salt in the wound for the next one and it's going to be a long four years until we get revenge at it so yeah I think that that's that's the scariest thing to come out of that gold medal game uh is that that revenge factor coming in in four years because that's a long time to sit on a moment like that where, you know, guys are definitely going to feel like they were definitely a little, uh, you know, a little slighted there with the way that that one ended. Uh, so I, I think that that, you know, it, it may have sucked for you guys losing that game, but I think in general, it's probably better for the sport because like there's a way to really hype up uh, the, that 2022 uh, games now. Uh, so it, it sucks. You guys kind of had to sacrifice that one. Um, but, but you, we can really amp up the revenge factor for 2022. Uh, so I think that'll be big. And personally, my, I thought that, you know, the way that that one ended, you guys should have, you know, team USA, team Canada, you guys should have immediately jumped on a plane back. And I think you guys should have just got back, maybe played it like Niagara Falls and just ha- had a, like no refs, no anything, just a, a good old fashioned, almost like a street fight, but just with the cross sticks. Uh, so if you need anyone to set that up uh, or, or to, you know, broadcast it or to cover it, uh, you know, I'm definitely the guy. So maybe you can talk to your guys. I'll talk to some of the guys here in the U.S. and, and we can get that thing going. Uh, but most importantly, before we get the Team USA, Team Canada revenge game at Niagara Falls. Let's talk about this draft coming up. Tuesday, September 25th, I believe, here in Philly at Xfinity Live. And you said that you're going to be here. Is this going to be your first trip to Philly? Uh, it'll be my first trip in a while. In high school, we did a couple trips there for club tournaments, but I haven't been in probably four or five years. All right. Well, yeah. So, you know, we're we're hoping that, uh, you know, you're going to be one of those first few names called in this draft. Obviously, knock on wood there. Don't want to uh, jinx anything here. Uh, but, you know, what what are you feeling heading into this draft? And, uh, you know, what's, uh, you know, what's the experience been like you so far, just, you know, talking to some of these teams as we're getting ready for the draft, uh, and, and just hearing about, you know, where you could potentially end up. Yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting for sure. It's a little nerve wracking and a little, you're a little anxious because as the days kind of tick away and it's getting closer, it's, uh, it's it's really going to be happening and the dream that I've had forever is going to hopefully become a reality in a few, few days. So, um, definitely exciting times. And I'm actually living with my uncle right now who, uh, played in the NLL for, I'm going to say close to 10 years. And he's kind of, it's kind of been good living with him because we've talked a lot about it and his experiences and how the games changed from when he's played and, and, that kind of thing. So that's kind of helped me out a, a bit. And um, this past weekend, there was a combine in Oakville, and um, I was I went and interviewed with a few teams, and just being able to talk to a lot of teams and and kind of get that initial maybe awkwardness or nervousness out of the way was was definitely good. So uh, I'm just excited, and hopefully my name is called at some point during Tuesday night. Yeah, uh, hopefully. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that it's safe to say that it'll definitely get called at some point Tuesday night. Uh, you know, personally, I'm hoping that it's number two at uh, for for the Wings here coming back. Uh, the Philadelphia Wings 2.0 in their first season as a new expansion team would be uh, great to have you here because our 
are, are you planning on so you know no matter where you end up going um you know are, are you planning on just uh you know moving out there to wherever and and setting up shop uh you know in, in the city that you get drafted to yeah i think so as long as whoever i end up with uh it works out that that we can arrange something for that to happen then absolutely um just make it a lot easier than than being a younger guy in the league and having to commute every weekend to wherever it may be but um the end goal is to definitely live wherever i end up yeah dude that's the scary thing about san diego coming in this year because it's got to be an easy sell uh, to get guys to sign and to be able to live in san diego i mean philly is is a top rate city and beats the shit out of san diego uh (laughs) 10 times out of 10 but other than that uh you know i can't really beat uh that weather there but so you know even with philly coming in like like you said philly 2.0 like i can't imagine what that home opener is going to be like with the team coming back and the fans getting the team back there, it's going to be unbelievable. I feel like. Oh yeah, I mean you're you're going to get a good little taste of you know what the Philly fans have to offer at the draft on Tuesday night. Uh, but you know if if some, if you end up you know on a getting picked up by a different team on, on Tuesday night, uh, I I can tell you this right now. Love you. Appreciate you for coming on the podcast. But when you come to the Wells Fargo Center as a member of the opposing team, I'm going to be in your ear all night <laughs> as well as as thousands and thousands of more just wings diehards who have been chomping at the bit for years to get this team back. So, uh, you know, just know that that when we uh, just rip you to shreds, it's it's only because we care. All right. Perfect. I'll make sure I remember that. <laughs> uh, but so yeah so this uh you know so so this season or you know obviously the the draft is coming up and and then you'll you know you'll be set up for this upcoming season um you know what if some of the guys who you've played with in the past you know obviously you're playing major series so you've got a bunch of guys on your team there that have been playing nll uh you know you've got guys on your chesapeake team like lyle and josh burnt who have been playing in the nll uh you know so what kind of advice have they been giving you if if any about you know just being a young kid coming into the league for the first time uh honestly there hasn't really been much talk about it um you just kind of being a guy that i got like i said earlier i played in orangeville for five years and a lot of those guys that i played with are playing in the league and you kind of see how they've uh acted in their time in the nll and some of the younger guys too like supposed to be in last year's draft class right with um but with being hurt obviously i redshirted and and got pushed back here so a lot of my good buddies that i've played against and played with growing up are are already in the nll so um anytime i go to games this past year or whatever it may be it's you just kind of you kind of see how they act and you don't really need to talk about it or anything like that. You just kind of live and learn by it. So, yeah, I mean, it, it should definitely be, uh, you know, I, I, what, what kind of, what kind of fan numbers are you guys working with at, at six, six nations? Because I have to imagine, uh, you know, that first time walking out of the tunnel is probably going to be pretty surreal with, with a packed barn. Yeah, I mean, it's a way of life. Lacrosse is a way of life there, right? So it's they've got junior A, junior B, I think junior C as well. I might be wrong there. but And then they definitely have senior A, obviously, and senior B. So they've got lacrosse at every level. And 
Um, as far as I know, they get a good showing at every game. So um, playing against the, the Arrows in Junior A, it was always um, always a packed barn, and everyone wanted to kill you if you weren't on on the Arrows. And it's uh, it was weird being on the other side of it with the with the Chiefs this summer, but um, also it, once once you got used to it, it was uh, a pretty cool feeling for sure. Hey, there you go. So that that shouldn't be you know too much of a uh, of a culture shock uh, you know in this this upcoming NLL season for you. Uh, again, I mean, hopefully, I'm I'm hoping that 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 first trip to Philly, if if you're a part of a you know an away team, will be a little bit of a culture shock to you. But other than that, you should. Uh, it sounds like you're you're all ready to go. Um, dude, we talked about this the first time that you were on the podcast that the NCAA needs to get uh you know needs to get box going and just all all the the amount of you know hockey schools that could just pack the barns for for some box lacrosse um so now that you're you know now that you're out of the ncaa and and now that we can finally get some some wheels uh, in motion for that one i think that you know that's going to be something that we talk about tuesday night at the draft to try to get that thing going yeah i'm all on board i think it's a great idea all right, we just have to find someone with uh, with some deep pockets who can, uh, you know, kind of get that set up for us, and we can be the brains behind the operations. But if anyone here is watching, that can be the bankroll behind it. You've got, uh, you know, you've got two guys here who are ready to take on that uh, <laughs> the, the brunt of the work there. But so yeah, I mean, I appreciate you coming on again. I know that you're, uh, you know, pretty busy with you know coaching and just getting ready for this draft. Um, but great to catch up with you. I'm looking forward to seeing you on Tuesday. And again, listen, if, if you are uh, a part of the Philadelphia Wings brass, uh, if, if you're in a managerial position in that uh, organization and you're listening to this podcast, which I know you are right now, I know you're listening, take Ian McKay at number two. You will not regret it. San Diego, you don't take – this kid sucks. Do not take Ian McKay. But <laughs> – if you drop to two, got to have them, Philly. Hey, hopefully. Fingers crossed. <laughs> All right, buddy. We'll, <laughs> we'll talk to you later, man, and, and appreciate you coming on, and best of luck on Tuesday night. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, and thanks to Ian McKay again for jumping on. Recurring guest of the Crease Dive. Uh, always great to have a friend of the program back on here, and it's going to be even better to see him picked up on the draft tomorrow night. Uh, you know, he's a kid, the kid's a grinder. So whichever team ends up taking him is going to be getting an absolute stud. But when we're talking about the NLL draft and absolute studs, real quick, let's talk about who is the projected number one pick of the night, who will be probably a San Diego seal as long as there's no fuckery afoot and any <laughs> trades beforehand. Uh, but the number one pick is most likely going to be Austin Stats. We talked about the World Games. If you're watching that, you got a lot of, you know, Canadians and, and people who follow box across and the Minto Cup, the Man Cup, uh, you know, they've got a chance to see Austin Stats play for a while. This kid is an absolute beast. Uh, you know, if you're someone who just follows field lacrosse, then you know his brother, Randy Stats. And if you watch the World Games, you got to see Austin playing for the Iroquois Nationals. Um, here's a kid who, you know, at Onondaga Community College was supposed to be making his way over to play for Syracuse, uh, but decided to just say, you know what, I'm, I'm done with college. I'm declaring for the NLL draft. Dude, this kid is so nasty that if you haven't had a chance to watch him play, especially in box, 
do yourself a favor, look up some highlights because this kid is he's a goalie's worst nightmare. He is just a scoring machine and like that I understand that like saying like he's a goal scorer isn't like a great scouting report on him. But like, <laughs> he's a goal like, scorer. Literally, dude, the kid as long as he sees like a, an inch of net He's blowing it right past the goalie. So, I mean, this is going to be a guy who comes into the league and just puts up numbers right away. Um, so, Austin Stats, that is going to be a name to look out for. He'll be the number so you, uh So, you're thinking he's taking the plane over to San Diego. He's going to be a SEAL? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess as long as there's a... I, I can't imagine that San Diego would trade away that that number one pick. Um, but I dude, I got a chance to see him up close and personal when I was playing at the uh, Lacrosse All Stars North American Invitational last year uh, up in Onondaga, and I mean I was, it was it's just unbelievable how he will just let that ball fly, and it doesn't matter where the goalie as long as the goalie moves just like slightly, he'll find he'll find the way. He goes he goes the other way. It's in the back of the net, so Austin. Kind of like you, kind of like you. Yeah, just, uh, you know, I, I guess I end up tearing my ACL when I try to do what he does. But, uh, <laughs> and then, <laughs> coming in at number two. Most all, right, likely, all right, all right, all right, all right. Let's get a drum roll here. Let's get a drum roll here. Coming in at number two. This has been hyped up. You go, let's just talk about the Philly Wings for a little bit. Because you, you can't just hop into this. I, and I know you. You're, you're itching. You're itching right now. <laughs> it still hasn't quite hit me that the Philadelphia Wings are back in the city. The Philly Wings 2.0 starting off their, uh, I guess I guess you could call it inaugural season, their second inaugural season. Um, this, this team was ripped out of the city of Philadelphia three, four, five, bad dates, probably like four or five years ago. Shipped up to New England. They're now the Black Wolves. Um, and it just, there was a hole in my heart for these past few years. But my heart is full right now, and it's going to be even more full when now no I hate to say this because I, I, I would love to have Ian here, but I do believe that the number two pick in this draft is going to be from UNC. You probably have been saying his last name wrong for the past few years. It is Chris Cluche, and this guy has been on an absolute tear since graduating from UNC. He showed up to the NLL this year and was putting up numbers. He was, I believe he was the rookie of the year in the MLL for the Denver Outlaws. Won a MLL championship there. Uh, just kept doing exactly what he was doing at UNC and just scoring ridiculous one-handed goals at will. This is a guy, we talk about playing with, you know, just our strong hands and, you know, that, that's the way that it is in the box game. You, you only play one-handed. But Chris Cluche takes that to the extreme, and literally, like you could chop off his one arm, and he would still put up better numbers than half the guys out there. This is this guy scores so many highlight real goals, and that is why I cannot wait for him to be a Philadelphia Wing because I am going to blog the shit out of Chris Cluche Wing. <laughs> Um, and and dude, he's not a small guy either. He's a burly 5'11", 215. So and Chris quick Cloutier, and quick his, and his quick. His initials. His initials. Yeah, what do we call him? Yeah. He he is he is thick with <laughs> four or five C's. 
<laughs> he's got the he's got the Saquon Barkley quads. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he, he might. Uh, I'd have to check in on his diet. It's probably a, a, a little uh, a little less strict than than Saquon's is. But yeah, I mean, he's he's got some. He's got he's a hefty boy. He is large, and he just. And and then once he gets drafted by the wings, then he's gonna be going to Pat and Gino's. He's gonna be getting even bigger. So, <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, and that's that's what's gonna be great about his game. I mean, he can come in here and just keep beefing up, and then who's gonna stop him? Absolutely nobody. Nobody will stop Chris Cluche, NLL Rookie of the Year. Heard it here first. As long as he's a Philadelphia Wing, if he drops further back in the draft, then picked up in the wing, he won't be rookie there. Bust. 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 He'll be the he'll be a Jamarcus Russell. Yeah. <laughs> that's that, that's an unfair comparison, uh, Chris, buddy. If if you're listening to this one, I did not make that comparison. I did. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I mean, but you know, that's there's going to be a few guys in this draft who if you've been paying attention to college across for the past few years, you will know these names and you will know what they're all about. Uh, and Ian McKay, perfect example of that. I mean, uh, you know, maybe not a ton of people were following Vermont for his entire career there, but, you know, Ian McKay and his class uh, put that team really on the map. I mean, they, yeah, so started, they started, started 7-0. Started off 7-0, and uh, made the Vermont Catamounts a, a you know, one of the one of the top twenty programs in the country. Um, you know, and and Ian, you know, we we talked to him a bunch on on the interview, so we're not going to go too much into him here. Uh, but I mean, he's for as good as he's been uh, on the field, playing you know with Vermont and playing with Chesapeake in the MLL. Box across is is his like that's that's what he does. Yeah, he didn't even he- know about field across until you know like high school. So. You know, if, if you've got to watch Ian McKay play field across for, you know, Vermont or Chesapeake, wait until you see this guy indoors. Yeah, and he, we were even having the argument with him, uh, I think it was in the spring when we had him on the show, about um, these college programs implementing a box lacrosse league. And actually, I was on Twitter and I saw Penn State lacrosse is starting to do uh, box lacrosse because it makes the out, it makes the field game so much better because it expands. Like, when you're playing in such tight spaces and then you jump out to the field, uh, the dimensions are just, your, your angles are different, the way you the way you dodge is different. The whole the translation between indoor to outdoor always baffles me. You can be one of the best outdoor field players in the world. You get put you get put in a rink. What what do you call it? What what what's your word for it? An indoor field, a rink? What, what do you say? It's a rink or you just a rink on the floor, on the floor. But you, I mean, you're you're a hundred percent right there, and I've seen, uh, you know, I've seen a few uh, teams really go uh, pretty heavy with with box so far uh, this fall ball. I think I've seen uh, Hopkins do some as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Hopkins is the other one. And I, I I think that that's that's a great thing, not only because you know it, it helps guys, uh, you know, you always get better hands when you're playing box, um, you know, and it definitely helps guys, you know, work in two man games and stuff like that. But it's also good because, like I like we mentioned earlier in this episode, the NLL is expand like so 
the Wings 2.0 and the San Diego Seals, two new expansion teams that are starting up this season. Uh, this just the past couple weeks, they're uh, a team. The Rochester team is relocating to Halifax, and then a new expansion team is coming back into Rochester. So that's another team in the league coming up uh, as soon as they find an owner for it. They're going to be expanding to Long Island, playing at the Coliseum uh, there on the island. So that's four new teams in the next couple years. Not going to lie. We, uh, keep going, but I'm not going to lie. I'm a little, little pissed, very pissed that the New York Titans are not going to be making a comeback. You don't know that yet. They could be. Okay, there, okay. There, there could be some, some Titans back, but... Uh, but, but a team is going to be on Long Island. So there's four new teams. They're looking to make this like a 30-team league at some point over the next 10 years or so. So there's going to be a lot more opportunity for these top-level field lacrosse players. If they can get themselves playing legitimate box, learning the game, they're going to be roster spots open because yeah. you know, the, the, you know, there are so many more teams, so many more roster spots available. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see a guy like Matt Rambo, who got picked up by the Wings in the expansion draft. Um, you know, he's, he's a hometown kid here in Philly. It'll be interesting to see how his game translates to the box game, um, you know, even though he hasn't really played too much box before. <laughs> We're just gonna, that, that, uh, they're just taking a chance on him on that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, uh, you know, he's got the body for it, it's, but like you mentioned, it's, it's a completely it's a different, different game. game in terms of, you know, where you're dodging from, how you're trying to get to the cage, um, you know, so there's, there's a huge difference from the field game to the box game, but I do think that as the NLL is bringing in more and more teams, it, it's going to open up those roster spots for guys who, you know, are traditionally field lacrosse players go in a box instead of the other way around where, you know, you see a lot of Canadians, traditional box players who make the jump, uh, which is a little bit of easier jump from box to field than the other way around. Um, but speaking of a guy who excels at both versions of lacrosse. T. Con- well, well, yeah, <laughs> T. I mean, T's. Nasty Teat is the greatest lacrosse player. Free, uh, free Teat. Free, free, free my dog Teat at the pen. Free Teat indeed. Uh, but who will be – so Teat, unless he decides that he doesn't want that uh, piece of paper diploma from Cornell, I don't think that he's uh, declaring for the NLL draft just yet. <laughs> one guy who will get picked up, will be a first-round pick in the NLL draft, is Connor Fields. And I don't know. Has he gotten surgery yet? Because Connor Fields had played through his entire junior and senior year on a torn ACL. Yeah. What an absolute savage. Savage. I mean, I mean, you're you're blogging and podcasting on a torn ACL, but this guy played two full. This guy played two full college across seasons, led them to a national championship, and and he was still. The number one producer on the team. Oh, my. It is beyond me. We always knew his knee was banged up. There was some sort of cover-up. And it's not. And you know me more than anyone. I, I love LeBron. But when he came out on that post-game interview and he had, like, the hand cast on. He's like, oh, after. He's like, oh, I was playing with a hurt uh, hand the whole time. No, no. Connor Fields. Connor Fields is the toughest lacrosse player I've ever seen in person. I remember when we went down to Foxborough, we saw uh, Albany versus Yale. He was 
he was just taking an absolute whacking, getting up time after time, dodging, and, and he, he he's just a he's a tough ass guy. Coach Mar had nothing but uh, praise for him. Um, I, I could see him very much. He, he he can excel in the box game, and he and he's not foreign to lacrosse at all. You know, he's an upstate New York native. Native. He's been playing indoor lacrosse for a while, so I can definitely see him being a huge impact and in transitioning into the box game. Yeah, I mean, he's. Uh, I, I forget off the top of my head. This is probably uh, you know bad uh, research by me. I know that he was work. He was uh, trying out for Team Canada to represent them at the World Championships for field. I think that he. So he's got dual citizenship. So he was gonna play for Canada at the Worlds for outdoor. I believe that he is U.S. box across though. Um, again, I'm going to have to check on that and, and I could end up being wrong, which wouldn't be the first time, won't be the last. Um, but, but he is, he's, he's one of the top, um, you know, as far as guys who are just nasty at both, uh, you know, both disciplines of lacrosse, he's right there at the top. Yeah. I mean, this was Connor Fields was the kid that was absolutely disgusting, Arguably, did he break Lyle Thompson's um, record at Albany? No, nah, he, he's he's sitting there at number two. No, that's uh, what, wasn't he like ten or something points behind. He was so, he was pretty close. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think it's gonna be a while before anyone breaks yeah. Lyle's record. Was, I I can't right see that. There. If if he was if he was healthy and wasn't yes. playing on torn ACLs for two seasons, then he absolutely gets it done. Uh, but you know, I guess but it's really yeah, good. it's pretty hard to do that with with a with a torn ACL. Uh, but no, uh, Connor Fields. You know, he grew up in upstate New York. Like I said, he'd always be at Bandits games. Um, I'm 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 calling it right now. I I think he gets picked up by the Buffalo Bandits. You know, he used to idolize uh, Bandits forward John Tavares, and now he's what the manager of the team. So Tavares is now the head coach at the Bandits. Yeah, I I, I think I I think this is a a mortal lock that Connor Fields will spend his NLL career um, with uh, with with the Bandits. Uh, I, I like I like him there. I could see him there. What what picks do they have? They have the bandits three and four. So I mean, yeah. Yeah, three and four, and then yeah, yeah. He won't slip to the second round. So they have two chances to get him in the top five. I mean, I I think, dude, he's he's as gritty as it gets. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no one tougher than Connor Fields. Uh, so if you have a chance to pick him up. You got to take it. Yeah. Um, so, and, and hopefully once he gets picked up, we'll finally get that guy on the podcast. We've been playing a little tag with Connor Fields. Uh, For a while now. <laughs> season. So we, uh, you know, we, it was always in the works to get him on during the season last year. Then, you know, obviously a few injuries pop up, a few things fall through the cracks and, uh, you know, we weren't able to get him on during the season, but hopefully uh, we can get him on as a member of the Buffalo Bandits. Uh, speaking of other guys who uh, uh, some friends of the program who will be getting picked up on Tuesday, uh, quick shout out to Joel Tinney. Uh, he, he had a he had a monster year at Hopkins, followed that up with the monster year with the Lizards. Uh, you know, he, he's played, uh, you know, he was playing with the Orangeville Northmen, some junior A ball, and, and he'll be, you know, we'll see where he gets picked up on Tuesday. But, uh, you know, again, he's a kid who has a knack for the net. 
you know, makes a lot of goalies turn and rake. So, you know, you need to score goals. Yeah. You need to score more goals to beat the other team. Yeah, yeah. And he's, he's a Canadian kid. He grew up playing box across his entire life. He's another... Uh, He's another part of the family, not only the Kristaf family, as he's been on the show a couple times, but he's also a heavy, heavy lefty attackman, like you and I. So um, I, I, I could definitely see he's going to be first round if, if it were up to me. I, I believe so. Yeah, I mean, and then we'll, uh, you know, we'll see. It's, it's it's a little tougher to pull off the hidden ball tricks, uh, you know, in, indoors, <laughs> just because the field's a little smaller. You don't really have as much room to work with. Um, but, you know, it. As far as people who have given the sport of lacrosse, um, you know, a great supply of highlights, Joel Tinney and Hidden Ball Tricks uh, yeah. for college lacrosse. We will never forget that. So And pe- and, pe- and Petro yelling at him a little bit. That, well, yeah. Throw that in there. That just, that just comes with the nature of the I game. I think that's a rite of passage. Yeah. Um, but we're, <laughs> we're looking forward to big things with Joel Tenney. And then finally, the last player that we will talk about before this draft, another friend of the program, former guest, recurring guest on the crease dive. Now, this is one. The nine god. This this will be very interesting because I feel like teams out there have to take a chance on him. And, and he was playing some box across this past summer at the uh, in the Colorado College box across whatever that league is it is Trevor Baptiste the greatest faceoff specialist in college lacrosse history now again he he doesn't have a ton of history playing box um, you know and he, you know he got some runs in this past summer and dude he was going all over the place this summer <laughs> graduating from Denver then playing with the Cannons in the MLL, then going to U.S., playing with USA in Israel for the World Championships, all while also flying back and forth to Colorado to play for this box team. So he was all over and, the And then I just saw him at the New Balance headquarters. He's doing shit with Warrior. This, this guy's all over the place. He, he had a very busy summer. <laughs> very busy summer. That's what we like to see because my man is definitely getting paid by Warrior right now and getting paid uh, you know, with, in the MLL, and hopefully he will be getting paid in the NLL as well. Um, but again, it, it will be very interesting. I feel like he has to get picked up by a team. Uh, you know, there's what? Like, there's 74 picks in the draft. If no one takes him, they're all idiots. Yeah, uh, because he's going he's gonna to bring some – he's going to be an asset, and he's going to bring value in some way, shape, or form, whether it be – I don't, I don't, he, like you said, he, he's, he's a, he's going to be like a hybrid type player, like an almost rover-ish. I feel like you can incorporate him in a, in an offensive set somehow or a defensive package. It's going to be very, very interesting to see how Trevor uh, translates into the indoor game. Yeah, and the the box across faceoff is is in terms of you know technique, it's it's a little bit different than field. Um, you know, guys are mostly watching the refs whistle um, in order to get a, a good jump on that. It's, it's like it's like girl, it's like girls across. Yeah, so it's you know it's definitely women's a, women's women's yes. Crease dive respects all women, um, but it's it's definitely going to be a, a different adjustment. But again, he he's been playing this summer, and it's not like playing in you know a, a league in Colorado is going to automatically make you um, ready to make a jump to the NLL. But he was the best faceoff specialist in college across history, uh, probably the best in the world right now. Some team has to take a a, a flyer on him. 
do you pick him up in the first round? Probably not. Maybe the second round, maybe not. But like you, someone has to pick him up. Um, so uh, it, it'll be you know definitely interesting to not only see where he gets picked up, um, but also to see what kind of an impact he can make because you know e- even though it is very different taking faceoffs uh, in box and field. Yep. Trevor Baptiste is a guy who if if he wants to do something. He'll train his dick off, yeah. and he'll and he'll be the best in the world at it. So you know, give him a couple months to get ready. the The draft is tomorrow, September twenty fifth. NLL season starts in December. Give him a couple months to get ready. He'll go sixty five percent at least. Agreeing with you there. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, those are uh, you know all the guys for you know if, if you're mostly a college lacrosse fan or a field lacrosse fan. Uh, but looking to start getting into box across and the NLL. I, I know, are- I, I know, I am, and you know what? I'm gonna be completely honest with you, Jordy. Uh, when we were recording Crease Dive this spring and the Super Bowl was going on, I'm a Giant fan. You're an Eagles fan. <sighs> Eagles were playing the su- in the Patriots in the Super Bowl. We all know how that happens. People do kind of sometimes forget that the Eagles won the Super Bowl. But I hopped on the Eagles bandwagon with you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna be a Philadelphia Wings fan uh, this year. Uh, there are no questions asked. I have a T-shirt. You saw my T-shirt. You also accused me that I stole the T-shirt when I went to go visit you. But that's also just an allegation. <laughs> but uh, no, it's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be exciting, and uh, I'm also excited to get back on the mic with you, man. Oh yeah, and we're uh, you know we're definitely gonna have to get you to the Wells Fargo Center for a Wings game this season. Definitely. Um, but again, listen. So for guys who you know, if, if you're mostly a field across fan, but you want to start getting into the NLL uh, and into box across, we're here for you. We're here to ease you into that transition. The NLL is taking over. They're expanding like crazy. You're gonna start uh, you know noticing more and more guys making the jump to the indoor game you know guys like guys like matt rambo guys like marcus holman um you know these are going to be guys who as these roster spots start opening up they're going to start making the jump um so while you guys are making the transition to to follow in it we're going to be here to explain it to you like a bunch of idiots and it's it's going to be good for everybody it's gonna be a good time draft tomorrow night if anyone is around the philadelphia area and looking to get in one on a tuesday night it is (laughs) xfinity live i will see you there and uh now this this doesn't quite translate to box but uh robbie as long as you've got nothing else to say i think you know the words (laughs) go to high to the day we die we out the boys are back in town boys